0: Welcome to another history show from the Cycling Legends podcast, powered by vivelavello.cc. I'm Gary Fairley. Il Campione After more than 3 hours and 47 minutes of racing, the figure in the blue and red colours of the Motorola team zips up his jersey and begins the final few hundred metres of what is now an assured victory. The nearest rider is over 30 seconds adrift, and the peloton is nearly 8 minutes further behind, so Lance Armstrong is alone on the road save of course for the procession of commissaire's vehicles and race motorcycles following him home. He takes both his hands off the bars as he coasts in, raising skywards first with his right index finger and then with his left, before clenching both fists in a victory salute. A final stomp on the pedals and a glance over his left shoulder reassure him of his victory. And again, the fingers point, one final time, to heaven, dedicating his win to his absent teammate. Three days previously, on the 18th of July, we'd witnessed the Queen stage of the 1995 Tour de France. A brutal 207km chase from saint girons that saw the riders tackle the Col de Porté d'Aspé, the Col de Mente, the Perissured, the Col d'Aspan and the Col de Tourmalet before a final ascent to Coterie. As far as a Tour's greatest hits album might go, this stage alone would be a contender for at least one volume to itself. Richard Varoncq had attacked at the foot of that first climb, less than 30 kilometres into the stage, and would ultimately solo to victory, leaving chaos in his wake. In the ensuing chase, a series of crashes occurred on the descent of the Porte d'Aspe, where the road switched quickly from a right to a left-hand bend, and while most riders were able to remount with or without mechanical assistance, one figure remained motionless on the right side of the road, curled in a foetal position beside the concrete blocks, which had halted the slide across the asphalt. The TV helicopter cameras lingered on the scene for the longest time. Too long. Fabio Casartelli was more than just the last rider to lose his life in cycling's most prestigious race. Born in Como in 1970, and like many Italians, he was a passionate cyclist who dreamed of being a professional. He showed promise in the domestic Italian amateur scene, winning at age 19 the 1990 Trofeo Sironi while the following year saw no fewer than five one-day victories. These included the Gran Premio Capodarco, a race that would be won some 15 years later, by Jai Hindley. Five more victories followed in 1992 before Fabio was selected to be part of an 18-strong Italian cycling team for that year's Olympic Games in Barcelona. This team included four women. This also, remember, was still an era in which many sports only permitted amateur athletes to compete in the duel in the sporting crown. Fabio would join Mirko Gualdi and Davide Rebellin to contest the 195 km main road race. On the day of the race, 2nd of August 1992, the three rider format made the race unpredictable and difficult to control. And under a merciless Catalan sun, only three riders would eventually break away: Dutchman Erik Dekker, Dainis Ozols from Latvia, and Fabio As the race entered its final few kilometres, the trio had maintained a gap of around a minute on the chasing pack, a gap that began to tumble as the peloton began to hunt down the medals. But after four and a half hours racing, and with around 400 metres left to go, Ozols was forced to begin the lead out, Decker and Fabio immediately leeching onto his wheel as they fought to sort out the medals. They snaked first to the left of the road, and then to the right, Ozols following the bend and trying to remain close to the barriers. With 200 metres to go, Ozols swung left yet again, glancing nervously over his shoulder before weaving lazily in an attempt to force the other two riders to the front. Fabio took the bait. He exploded off the Latvian's wheel and dived right, head down stomping on the pedals, while Decker followed, but with only 75 metres left, Fabio's wheel had gone and the winner was decided. Ozos had already sat up to celebrate his bronze medal. And soon after, Decker also punched the air before Fabio himself finally sat up, raising both arms wide to the sky as he took gold. And the bunch followed in some 35 seconds behind. Like his teammate Rebellion and silver medalist Decker, Fabio turned professional after Barcelona. He joined Giancarlo Ferretti's Ariosteo team for 1993, and while injury would be a constant feature of his first two years, the promise of that Barcelona day was still visible. He finished in the top 10 on four stages of his ge- debut Giro on the way to 107th on GC, and he was denied stage victories by no lesser figures than Johan Museo and Vyatislav Ekimov in the Tour de Suisse. Ariostea folded at the end of the season, so Fabio would ride for the G- ZG Mobili team in 1994, the team managed by Gianni Savio. It would be a frustrating year with no repeat of the previous season's highlights and after abandoning the Tour on stage 7, the Italian season would culminate in surgery to cure recurring tendonitis. Hopeful of a return to fitness and to form following his surgery, Fabio moved once again and this time to the US Motorola team alongside his countryman Andrea Peron, Canadian Steve Bauer and 1993 world champion and Tour de France stage winner Lance Armstrong. Steady if unremarkable placings in the 1995 dauphine Dauphiné Libéré and the Tour de Suisse provided some confidence that Fabio could get through multi-day races. Encouragingly, he was mixing it with the other fast men in the final of the sprint stages in both races. The 1995 Tour de France began in saint and Brittany, and did a clockwise route around the Channel Coast and into the classics terrain of Belgium. After a week of racing, the race transferred to the Alps and would then trace a route through the Pyrenees before traversing west and central France to its now traditional finish on the Champs-Elysees in Paris. It had been an indifferent tour for the Motorola team, six in the team time trial, some two minutes adrift of the victorious Guise balan team and a couple of top ten placings for Frankie Andreu were about as good as it had been for the American team before a tactical blunder for Lance Armstrong held off on the line in Revel by Sergei Ushikov on stage 13. As the teams headed for the second rest day after stage 14, the highest placed Motorola rider in GC was the Colombian Alvaro Mejia, some 26 minutes adrift on Miguel Indurain, who was on his way to a fifth Tour victory in as many years. Fabio's death on stage 15 could have been a watershed for safety and professional cycling, not only for rider protection, the compulsory wearing of helmets would be a further eight years away and in the aftermath of the tragic death of Andrei Kivilev after a crash in the 2003 paris but also for course safety. The concrete blocks designed to prevent vehicles plunging over the edge of the col-deported d'Aspe also contributed directly to the catastrophic injuries that Fabio sustained. In some respects, the refusal to address both issues at the time robbed Fabio of a more fitting legacy to the sport that he loved so dearly. To some, he may be a tragic figure, or the invisible teammate of Lance Armstrong on the road to Limoges. To many others, though, Fabio will remain the grinning young man in azure jersey, sunglasses perched atop his ruffled dark hair, with a gold medal hanging from his neck. Campioni Olimpico. Casartelli in Casartelli. Casartelli. quando vede per l'Italia che avevo detto il fronte di pronostico